DJ Benny James, welcome to the podcast. Today's show is going to be a showcase featuring all new music, like I normally do. A little bit of reggae, a little bit of uh, hip-hop, a little bit of R&B soul, mixing up the flavors for you. But today is going to be a showcase special, because I have a very, very special guest who I have on the phone, Mr. Keith Major. How you doing, sir? DJ Benny James. I am good, brother. I am doing quite well. We miss you around here in Hawaii. Things are not the same, but uh, I see you doing big things in New Jersey, bro. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying, man. I do miss it over there. So you're based in Honolulu, right? How long have you been out there now? I've been out here, uh, man, 21 years. 21 years. That is crazy. When did we first meet and what year was that? Do you remember? Uh, I think we met in 2000, maybe three, 2004. And this is how we met. You were the biggity big DJ in Hawaii back then. And then one of my groups, the Brothers of Omega Sci-Fi, every year we would do this big boat ride around Pro Bowl time. That's when Pro Bowl was in Hawaii. And... The DJ that we had scheduled for one of our parties uh, was unable to make it, but he says, hey, I know this other guy. I'm going to send you uh, this other DJ. Don't worry about it. He's got all the logistics. He'll be there on time. And I show up and there's like all my brothers. Then there's the crowd. And then there's this like random white guy. And I'm like, hey, who brought the random white guy? And then we're all just like, I think that's the DJ. It's like the DJ, oh, we're going to get murdered. They're going to like totally burn the place down. Um, That was my first time meeting you, DJ Bandy James. You did an absolutely phenomenal job. And I stood there the entire time with my mouth hanging open like, dude, (laughs) this is not your regular white guy. I wish I had a camera and I recorded it because all, <laughs> all of your mouths just just open wide, right? And this is the response I got. Like, uh, are you the DJ? I'm like, yeah, I'm the DJ. They're like, you play music? I said, of course I play <laughs> It was hilarious, bro. I'm never going to forget that for the rest of my life. But since we met, we connected and we've been friends ever since, man. And I tell you, and I even inspired you to get into DJing too, right? DJ Black Digital Live. Absolutely. And I tell this story. Uh, people ask me, well, dude, how did you start DJing? And I said, you won't believe this, but I actually started DJing before I realized I was DJing because you tricked me. I don't know if you remember. No. You had me come over to your house and like normally you had everything all assembled, like was already together. But this time it was like cables and bins and you had the subs over here and the tops are over there. And you're like, oh, man, put everything together and like put the table over there and then we can get started. And about 30 minutes after I had everything assembled, then all your friends showed up with like poo-poos and drinks. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so you helped me put everything together and then we had a party and you was the DJ and you didn't even know. You tricked me into my first gig ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But man, you've been doing your thing. I see you've been doing your parties and everything. That's awesome, man. So congratulations to you. 
and you're a family man too, right? So tell us about your family. I know you've got a beautiful wife and two kids. Yes, I have a lovely wife and two beautiful kids. I actually, oddly enough, met my wife out here at a party. That was 2000, I think, 11. And we got married two years later in 2013. My wife's a mainlander. She's a regular everyday girl from Detroit, Michigan. She's a professor at University of Hawaii. We got two kids, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And we're just out here enjoying life, enjoying Hawaii and enjoying the differences between here and the mainland. Well, that's one of the main reasons I called you today to have this interview with you is it's Black History Month this month. And I had this interview recently with an organization called Embracing Race, The Conversation. And after that conversation, me and my wife got into a heated debate. We touched on something that we thought that was really, really important. So then after that conversation, I called you and got your perspective on things as a black man in Hawaii and your unique perspective. And I want to share that with everybody. And I am so excited. But first, I'm going to play a little bit of music and then we're going to come back and have more discussion. All right. You're going to hang out with me. Oh, let's do it, baby. Let's do it. All right, let's play a new one by Mary J. Blige and Usher. Brand spanking you. So, Keith, did you see Mary J. Blige in a halftime show? 
I absolutely did. And I was going to ask you, what did you think of the halftime show? I didn't watch it live, so I watched it last night. And uh, I thought it was yeah. pretty good. I mean, I think it was a shock to the system for half of the country and the other half of the country. <laughs> wow, that was amazing. For me as a DJ, right, it was all the old school classics that I've heard a million, million times before. So, you know, it wasn't really nothing new for me. But I think the fanfare and the colors and the dancing and everything. And to see Dr. Dre up there, I mean, he's just been such a huge part of the history of hip-hop so for me it was kind of like a wow do you know what i mean and uh, i give it a stamp of approval i don't know if you enjoyed it but i liked it i absolutely loved it <laughs> picture paula dancing in front of the tv spilling beer all over the floor she absolutely loved it but and i hate to be the poo pooer of things yeah i also thought it was political pandering okay um, I, I i thought this was the nfl making an extra effort to kind of clean up their image uh, for racism. I know you said you have your wifey, Paula. You got two kids, right? What's their names? Gabrielle and Keith Jr. And how old are they now? Five and seven, bro. Can you believe it? They grow fast. Wow, they grow way too fast. You gonna have any more or you done? I don't know. Wifey's been winking at me lately. I know I've been uh, working out. Like, <laughs> I think my workout might be working. So I don't know, bro. You know, <laughs> I'm always the last one to know, so. Winking is a good thing, man. Winking is a good thing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, especially Valentine's Month as well. You know what I mean? All right, so let's get on to this conversation. Like I said, I had this interview with Embracing Race, the conversation. Then I got into a really heated debate with my wifey. And then I called you <laughs> because we got onto the subject of race, right? And this is what happened on the way back from the, the heated conversation with my wife. We were driving and she showed me this song, which I'm going to play. It's going to be the last song I'm going to play today. The song is called Sun Cho Lee. And basically what it is, it's a Hawaiian song where the singers are, they're singing about stereotypes of all the different races in Hawaii, even the Hawaiians. And there's something about Hawaii. When I lived there, I noticed that there was a distinct difference and that people could laugh about different cultures they could laugh about different stereotypes and i know that you lived there for a long time so give us your perspective on living in hawaii as a black man in hawaii living in hawaii as a black man is absolutely fabulous i highly encourage it to anyone and to uh you know my friends on the mainland always ask me bro when are you going to come back are you going to stay out there forever the answer is yes i'm out here forever I'm originally from South Carolina, so I'm going to go back to South Carolina and do what exactly? Like, pick peaches, get paid by the bushel, bounce up and down on a tractor. Like, really, who's going to hire me to do what I do in South Carolina? It's easier living, man, in terms of longevity. Yeah. I think I stand a chance of living a far longer life here in Hawaii than going back to the South, where I'm from. And the piece about the jokes... Comedy shows here are way different. You got way more comics from way different backgrounds than you would have on the mainland. And the reason racial jokes are funny and work here in Hawaii is because Hawaii is the most diverse state in the nation and we have everybody here. So it's everybody telling jokes on everybody else. It's not one particular group beating up on another group. Like on the mainland, it's like just kind of, it, like one group always getting beat on blacks or Hispanics or whatever. But here you got Hawaiians making jokes about the Micronesians, the Micronesians making jokes about the Japanese people, Japanese. So it's like 
you don't take the racial jokes as personally because everybody has their turn in the barrel, if that makes sense. Right. No, I think it does. And I think that this is the epiphany. And listening to this song that I'll play later on, you know, I think that when things become taboo and when we say that we can't say certain things and we cannot address a stereotype, for example, or make jokes about a stereotype, once it becomes a taboo, then suddenly fear sets in and people start to act crazy <laughs> and there's the division starts right there and i think that could be in lots of different areas um even more than race um it could be sexual identity and so much more but it's really really important that we have fun discussion now obviously there's a line right obviously there's a line and you have to know what that line is but i think saying nothing at all and having to be completely silent and having that taboo actually causes more of a problem i agree and when you leave the comedy show where we told all these racial jokes, if you see me the next day, is there going to be some type of issue because I'm different than you are? Here in Hawaii, nobody cares. It's like, yeah, we go to the club, we laugh, we drink, and then the next day, everybody's everybody. There's no bias or discrimination. It's just, dude, it was a comedy show. But on the mainland, once we leave the comedy show, you know, you're on your side of MLK, I'm on my side of MLK. For your listeners that don't get that, every city in America has Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, and that always seems to be the road that separates the good side of town from the bad side of town. So you will hear people reference MLK. It's like, yo, where'd you meet that girl? Oh, over on the other side of MLK. Okay, so I already know what type of girl. You met a nice girl. Wow, that's interesting. I never heard of that term before, but that's a, that's a new one for me. Okay, so you're talking about people to people, right? And just the different races and how they joke in Hawaii to each other and how stereotypes just joked about, like you said. But uh, what about from government down? I mean, like when you get stopped by the police or something, is that is that an issue for you in Hawaii? Let me tell you, the first time I got pulled over and got a ticket in Hawaii, I totally had my foot in it. Cop pulls me over. He asked me for the usual, so let me see your driver's license, insurance, yada, yada. And he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here comes the bullets. I was like, no, officer. He's like, you were speeding. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, you were doing 55 and a 35. Um, so that's 20 over. You know, 20 over, you're supposed to be in some trouble. So he goes to the car, comes back after a couple of minutes, gives me all my paperwork back, and hands me a ticket. Says, hey, sir, slow down, have a nice day. And he walks away and I'm sitting in the car with my mouth hanging open, like totally baffled as to what is going on. Because I've never had a cop just hand me a ticket and tell me to have a nice day and walk back to his car. Well, let me let me tell you, that happens to me all the time. And 50 percent of the time, I don't even get a ticket. Right. Yeah, but you're a white guy. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I just realized that recently. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's crazy. Like you say, you can be yourself in Hawaii and you can get treated equally, right, in Hawaii. My friend says the same thing when he goes to New York. He feels like that's the only place he can actually be himself and not think about his color is in New York. He said it's a unique place in New York as well. So I don't know if you've ever been there, but I know you've been in Hawaii for many, many years now. I've been to New York and another place that's very culturally uh, diverse. Although my one takeaway I did know about New York is all the boroughs seem to be like, this is black borough, and this is white borough, and this is Italian borough, and this is a gangster borough. That's how it looked to me. Although New York claims to be this great big melting pot, it's not as great a melting pot as Hawaii is. 
but it's still better than the rest of the main one. Got it. Okay. All right, we're going to go to another tune, and we're going to chat a little bit more. Um, this is a new song, actually, by Melba Moore that just came out. Now, she was massive in the 80s. The track is called Company, featuring one of my favorite new artists, Carmichael Music Lover. And enjoy this, man. This is bad.
when I was talking to you on, on the phone call last week, I said to you, how are we going to end racism? And you came up with the funniest thing. You said, white people need to have more sex. I'm like, what, yep. what the hell are you talking about? So explain yep. that because that was hilarious. So people say I'm crazy, but I actually read, dude. Believe it or not, I'm actually a pretty smart guy. So to your listeners, I want your listeners to go to the CDC website and in the search bar, type in replacement fertility rate. You can even type that in regular Google, replacement fertility rate. This is not new. It's science. It says that in order for any species to continue itself, you have to have at least 2.8 offspring. That's fish, wolves, tigers, bears, humans, whatever. In order to continue the species, you have to have at least 2.8 offspring, and that's how you keep it going. So on the CDC's website, they report fertility rates by race, and white people currently are in dead last place, and they are below 2.8, which means as the years pass, the percentage of white people in America is fewer and fewer and fewer. So how we see this is in politics, when we have elections and we vote, the vote kind of shifts around to demographics. And that's now why we see certain groups not winning races that they think they would win. And now they're doing all this political stuff, changing the voting laws, changing the shapes of the districts uh, within shape, within states, trying to give themselves the advantage. But the reality is they can avoid all of that if they just make love not war have more sex have more babies make make that's love that's a wonderful thing yeah that's a wonderful thing can't complain with that and you were saying as well that the whole abortion thing goes into play with that too right yeah so a lot of times people say that they are pro-life but in america pro-life is really a euphemism for anti-abortion and why would politicians be anti-abortion because we're not having enough babies so make love, not war. What an amazing message from Mr. Keith Major right there in yes. Hawaii. Who thought they were going to get that? You asked me how to end racism. I said, we need to have more sex, baby. And we I, need to have more babies. I love it. That's a great way to end racism. Why not? All right, we're going to play one more song and coming back with some more questions for you. This one is called More of Your Loving. So we're going to play this one appropriately after what That's Keith said. That's a perfect song. That's perfect play that song. twice. <laughs> This one's by Kevin Church Johnson. Got that down south kind of flavor. Love this one. I need you, baby. Like you some food to 
Loving that tune, man. Some of these songs are on heavy rotation with me right now. I'm feeling them, man. I'm going to have to put them on lovesoulradio.net as well. If you're listening on Love Soul Radio, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, there is the app, the iPhone app or the Android. It's free and definitely the best way to listen to the radio station. Just go to lovesoulradio.net. All right, let's get back to Mr. Keith. What's up, Mr. Keith? I'm hanging in there, DJ Benny. What's going on? All right, before we get to the serious questions, I want to ask you a couple fun questions here and a couple that I don't understand. So you're a golfing man, right? I am. So so tell me, a, a group of guys that go out on this huge, huge uh, field and they're swinging these sticks around, getting these little balls into little holes for about four hours. What is all that about? Why do you get any pleasure out of this, my friend? <coughs> it's relaxing. If you're a guy that works nine to five every day in an office, that's four hours of outdoor time of seeing the sun shining, hearing the birds chirp, feeling the breeze through the trees. If you're into nature like that, that's like a great experience. And then once you actually figure out the rules of the game and how to play, if you're into sports, it becomes addictive. In the beginning, I didn't like golf because it was like the office outing and you got to play with the boss. It just wasn't that great. But once you go play golf, with the people you normally hang out with anyway. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. You're out there talking trash, telling racial jokes, spending money, <laughs> like, you know, solving the problems of the world. Like if me, you and Doc J went to play golf, right. dude, we had the best time ever. Okay, well promise me this, next time I come to Hawaii, you're gonna teach me how to play and we'll go out for a round. How's that? Absolutely. All right. Next question I have for you, which I don't really understand anything about because I was born and raised in the UK, as you know, and I don't know anything about fraternities, but you're part of the Omega Sci-Fi or the Q-Dogs. Why did you get involved with them and what does that mean to you? Man, that's not a fun question. That's a hard question. Okay, okay. So first of all, shout out to the brothers of Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated since 1911, but also shout out to, because you DJ'd all these events, Benny. So shout out to all of the other organizations within the D9. And that question ties into the theme of your show today because Black Greek letter organizations came about in the early 1900s, which is after um, the Civil War. You know, the Civil War is when it was against the law to teach black people to read and educate themselves. And then we were trying to avoid the black codes, which later turned into Jim Crow. So in the beginning, fraternities and sororities were basically a way to go to school and get educated and then not have to worry about getting strangled or lynched or mauled or shot and stuff like that. And then from there evolved humanity and helping the community and every organization has their pet thing. Some people do Habitat for Humanity. Some people do St. Jude's, the hospital. Some people do voting rights. Omega specifically, we do uh, the Charles Drew blood drive. So there's always some type of give back and assisting and uplifting as we climb to the community. And the reason I got into it was because growing up, I was just a kid, you know, happy-go-lucky, like playing with my friends. And as I got older, I started like recognizing guys with certain shirts on and I didn't really understand it. And then I started asking questions 
And then I realized I get to the point where, man, the football coach was an Omega and my seventh grade teacher was an Omega and the minister at the church was an Omega and the middle school principal was an Omega and the cop down at the corner at the precinct was an Omega. So it was all this influence in my life that I didn't realize was influence in my life. And once I realized the relationship between all these mentors and different self-examples that I had growing up, I decided I want to be that guy. So that's how I wound up being an Omega. Wow. And the D9, what's the D9? Yeah, there's nine black Greek-lettered organizations, four sororities and five fraternities. And that kind of group of organizations is banded together under the title The Divine Nine. And we just call it the D9 for short. Got it. Okay. So basically, it's a way to give back to the community. And it's a way for our brothers and sisters to unite, help each other, inspire each other, I assume. Yes. And let me put in this shameless plug. So how this all ties together, this is Black History Month. Yep. The theme of your show is dealing with race. The father of Black History Month is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Carter G. Woodson. He was at Howard University, and he was the guy that started with Negro History Week, and then Negro History Week blossomed into Black History Month. Dr. Carter G. Woodson was an Omega. Right. Wow. A little bit of history there for you. Okay, so let me ask you one more question before we go to break about Black History Month. Do you think that Black History Month is important? It's absolutely important. Not only important, it's vital because we have just been, especially as of late with this whole fake critical race theory argument deal, there has been this push to just kind of thingify and otherize history into this thing that nobody wants to study. So yes, it's very important to study black history in order to understand, especially for black people, to understand where we came from and how we are interwoven into the history of Omega. And most importantly, to counter all of the negative stereotypes. We're back to the jokes, right? Yeah. So you need history to counter all of the stereotypes that are told in racial jokes. So I personally don't mind racial jokes, but you got to balance the racial jokes with the actual reality of history. So I don't think we need to change the narrative. I just think we need to tell more of the narrative. Just don't tell the bad part. You got to tell the good parts too. And then that way people have balance and then it's not an issue. Love it. Okay. Well, as you brought up critical race theory, we're going to come back with that. I'll ask you a question on that when we come back. <laughs> uh, but first, I'm going to play a reggae track. And it might be my most favorite reggae track in a long, long time. It's called Crazy. And boy, you're going to love this one. It's basically a love song. Listen to the words in this. Spectacular. I'm going to send this one out to L'Oreal, one of my favorite reggae DJs of all time from K2H. Love you, brother. It's a fine. And you're coming to Crazy. 
skies, wind the moon, climb the mountains When I'm around you When I'm around you Each morning that pass by reminds me of last night The way that we held tight A queen, I'ma crown you Now that I've found you so crazy, think of your daily girl, you amaze me. Look how you rest on my mind. So now me have to invest my time. All in you, in at this magical moment, my whisper. I know up the world and my words them register. In at your ears, me been talking long, and every single line that you laughing. Hey, it's so crazy. I'm fall in love with you like flowers wet with night you And me take the time out to go know you just for wife you Tight like you, fit like Cinderella with the right shoe It's so crazy, think of your daily girl, you amaze me Look how you rest on my mind So now me have to invest my time All in you In at this magical moment, my whisper I know of the whole of my words, them register You know your ears, me been talking long And every single line that you laughing Hey, it's so crazy Good is that just absolutely splendid? So, Keith, you like some reggae too? I do. I like all kinds of music. If any one of your listeners gets the opportunity to come to my parties, okay, I uh, fancy myself that I have a wide ranging music vocabulary. I just like good music, regardless of what it is. So, you will hear all kinds of music if you see me spin. Well, I look forward to seeing you spin, brother. I wasn't there to actually witness you spin, except the the house, of course, (laughs) which is the one I tricked you into. But I haven't seen you out and about at an event yet. So I'm looking forward to that, my man. No, remember you snuck into my first, uh, I guess, technical party. You came to check on me like a mother hen. I did. Uh, That was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, remember the birthday party I DJed and... uh, I think that was the Holly Cola and you were already downtown and you're like, bro, I'm going to come check on you to make sure you're okay. And you snuck in the back and came on stage and I was like, baby, but I, was, I wasn't great, but that was like my first solo gig. You kind of hung around for a while, checked on me and then you took off. That does sound familiar, actually. So let me ask you about this uh, critical race theory. Uh, like I said, yep. get back to that. So. This this term has been thrown around a lot. I don't really understand the controversy over it, to be honest. I mean, history is history. What is it about and why is there so much controversy? The controversy, my friend, is fake outrage. 
there really should be no controversy. So for your listeners, go on Google and Google this guy, Dr. Derek Bell. Derek Bell is a black guy and he's most famous for being the first black professor at the Harvard School of Law. Dr. Bell is the guy that did all the research and coined the phrase critical race theory and critical race theory to this day is still a class taught at the Harvard Law School. And what the whole concept of critical race theory is, Dr. Bell was trying to figure out why there was such a disparity in terms of convictions and sentencing of certain people based on demographics. And so what they do at Harvard is they study all of the bias and all of the history that drives certain things in courtrooms. And if lawyers understand the bias before they walk in, they are better able to counteract the bias through the law. And the whole point is you want to provide the best defense for your clients. So if you're going into an environment where you know there's going to be bias against your client, be smart enough to work around the bias in order to defend your client. That's what critical race theory is. It has absolutely nothing to do with any of this stuff that you see on TV yeah. that's being taught in school. Yes. So, so, so why are all these parents up in arms saying that their kids are getting taught this at elementary level? Because they're not smart enough to go on Google and figure out who Dr. Derek Bell is and what they're teaching at Harvard. At Harvard. And they would realize, yeah, dude, it has nothing to do with what your kid is learning <laughs> in fifth grade. Like, this is funny. All right, so what I want to do is I want to put a couple of these links that we've been talking about um, in, in the show notes below so people can just click on these links and go to them and learn themselves, man. Let's all educate ourselves. Yeah. Dude, Google and YouTube are like wonderful tools to debunk some of the stuff that's out there. Right. So, you know, people have turned the term critical race theory into this dog whistle and then they just get all like excited and riled up and then they want to just go spill out in the streets and protest. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? That has nothing to do with what critical race theory is. Wow. Love it. Love it. There's some insight from Mr. Keith Major right there. I'm going to play one of and my... If and if you get in trouble, go get your guys from Harvard because they study the stuff. There you go. <laughs> okay. Next up, I'm going to play uh, one of my new favorite tunes, man. This is by Latoya London, and it's featuring one of my all-time favorite singers, Anthony Hamilton. This is brand new. It's called On Everything, and boy, this is just splendid. your time, gon' speak your mind, yeah, I know you hold a lot in and I just wanna listen, girl, put it on me, everything you're feeling, yeah, cause all my life, we're gon' get it right, it's you and me against the world, nothing can come between us.
Nice and clean. I love hip hop like that. Just nice and clean. 
track is called Talk To Me, The Breed. A little bit of the horns in there as well, can't beat it. What are you doing, making yourself a drink in the background there? Me? Yeah. No, I need to though. It's still early here though. Oh, hey, but that uh, that Anthony Hamilton track is good ending racism music right there. Like if you want to end racism, you need to put that Anthony Hamilton track on. I know. And then go get the lady and say, hey, babe, you want to end racism tonight? No, Let no, Let me no. pull a little bit more Hennessy and uh, go light some votive candles. But that only applies to white people, like you said, because other races are having more babies. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, Hispanics are leading the charge right now. Uh, blacks are second, and then it's Asian, and then, like, there's a gap. And way down at the bottom, yeah, are white people. So just white. We need to have more more sex, period. Yeah, man. Y'all need to listen to more Anthony Hamilton. I, I hear you. Why do you think I like Anthony Hamilton? Why do you think I'm listening to it all the time? <laughs> After this show, I'm going right upstairs, calling the wifey. Hey, hey, like, we're, we're ending racism tonight, baby. <laughs> so let, let me ask you a couple questions here. You're uh, a military vet, so thank you for your service. I forgot to mention that earlier on. Why did you choose the military? And the question I have for you is, what was the most important thing you learned from being in the military? Uh, I wound up joining the military i'm from a military family and then you know when you dress up as a little kid and it's like what do you want to be when you grow up i was the kid that always wanted to be a soldier thought it was just like fascinating and then my dad was in the military all my uncles were in the military my grandfather was in world war ii my great uncle was in vietnam it was just the culture i have an aunt that uh, was an army nurse in vietnam so it was just my family culture was we had a lot of people in the military. So that was my influence growing up. And eventually, boom, graduated from college and off I went. And I was in the military, you know, continuing that family legacy. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if my son will wind up in the military. I'm not going to push him there. But if he gravitates toward it, you know, that that's his thing. But the big thing I learned is uh, traveling all over the world. Right. And I was stationed in Japan. I went to Korea and I went to Australia. Um, and then that's what brought me here to Hawaii. And you get to go other places and see how other people live and see the problems that they're dealing with. Right. Um, it made me appreciate being an American more. Like little things like that little foil stamp on your meat in the grocery section that says USDA, Yeah, like that's really a big deal because when you go overseas and go to the market and you're looking at the meat, what is this? <laughs> so it's, it's little things like that, um, seeing how other, you know, diverse people live and interact and it gives you more exposure and awareness. And to me, it just makes you a better person. I, I think so. I always said that I think travel is the next best thing to a, an amazing education. I mean, it's it's educational in itself. And I think it's humbling when you travel as well. And like you see, seeing different cultures. And I think a lot of the problems in America stem from actually a lot of people not traveling. I've met so many Americans that don't even leave their state, let alone leave America. A lot of Americans I've met that don't even have a passport. This is crazy. The people I've met like you are well-traveled, they were well-versed, they're well-read, right? And I think it makes a huge difference to how open you can be. Like, for example, when you watch the news, you're not so brainwashed, right? You know, you know firsthand, you've traveled, you know what it's like around the world. Yeah, it's like, especially during the war, 
and you watch CNN and Fox News and they're saying all this stuff about what the, the Iraqis and the Afghanis and I'm like, man, that's odd because I was in Iraq and didn't none of the Iraqis I met say anything like that. Like, where you guys getting that from? Yeah, it's kind of scary, really. It really is, because I think sometimes how it feels to me, America is the world and there's nothing else. Like, I felt pretty isolated here, even just coming from the UK and listening to BBC news where it was kind of like more world news. And in America, it's more like American news and American interest news around the world. But it's all kind of based around America. It's not really world news. It's problematic, if nothing else. Yes. And I tell my friends, and this comes from, you know, living outside of the U.S., um, I will be the first to tell you that American news is trash. And so I encourage my friends, bro, just don't flip channels between U.S. channels. Go watch other countries' news. If there's some phenomena in the news cycle, go watch it on CNN or Fox, but then also watch the same story on uh, BBC right. or watch reporting on that very same story in Al Jazeera, and then you will see, like, wait a minute, the same thing happened, and there's three opinions, and they're all, like, vastly apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. That's that's important. That's a great piece of advice right there. All right, going to come back with a couple more questions for you, a couple more songs, and then we're out of here. going to play this new one that I found. I'm going to send this one out to my wifey because she likes this kind of vibe. This track is called Sinner, and uh, wow, loving this one. It's kind of got that Afrobeat kind of flavor. Thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for pressing play. Always a pleasure, always an honor to be here spinning good music for you. Loving you be my greatest sin. Said I was done, but see, I'm here. You don't make it easier to stay away from Yahweh. Shiba, Shiba. Girl, you make me sinner Shiba, oh Shiba No make me pull the trigger Never say never No, I can't do whatever For Shiba, oh, be mine Don't wanna be so loser, no Drunk on your potion can feel my lips burning, losing composure. Can feel my face drowning. Seems so irrational. Ready to risk it all. If I can't have you, nobody can. No, no. Tell me how can I get my mind off you? Oh, Shiba. I cannot take my hands off you. Tell me how I cannot get my eyes off you. Girl, you make me sinner Shiba, oh Shiba No make me pull the trigger Never say never No, I can't do whatever oh, Shiba, oh, be mine Don't wanna be so loser, no You're such a rush, my baby, slow down Come find your love I'm hoping you see me Come serve it up Loving how you stir it up I body belong on TV Filling up my mind And I just don't know why, don't know why. Shiba, oh, Shiba Girl, you make me a sinner Shiba, oh, Shiba Don't make me pull that trigger Never say never You know I can't do all 
All right, check, check. We're back. Can you hear me, Keith? I absolutely can. Thank you for sticking around with me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, man. This is so much fun. And I miss you. I've got to tell you, man. I I really do. But I've got a question for you, man, from the heart. I've DJed so many black parties because I'm into soul music, right? That's what I do. And all I ever get shown is love, right? And I've got to be honest with you. I get accepted as a brother into the community. For me, what I've said in the past is the end of racism really is exposure. People getting exposure, facing their fears, per se, and, and finding out that what they're fearful of is the complete opposite. Why do you think I experienced that? It's the music, bro. It's the music. Dude, first of all, you are a great DJ. So if you're at the party for the music, you're going to get great music. And then the one thing that I always admired about you as a DJ is your ability to work the mic and interact with the crowd And it's like you suck people in to this musical experience. And I disagree. When you used to spend certain parties, there were other white people there. Your crowds tend to be more diverse, at least when you were here in Hawaii. Yeah. And you would just kind of get this mixture of people. You know, you got your crowd. Then I come with my boys and then Faye's crew would come and then Doc J's people would come. So it was this mixture of people. And only you could pull certain crowds, man. I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, no, like, I- all I had to do was walk in a party and see the crowd, and I'd be like, oh, man, Benny must be spinning. No, I, I know what you're saying about in Hawaii because we're talking about the diverse community there. But I'm talking about before I moved to Hawaii, right? Got a lot of experiences where I'm the only the white person in the room. But my question is more really about how other white people to get the exposure that I've had. Yes, I play music and that's how I initially connect. But it's after I connect, right? I get these lifelong friendships like yourself, right? And it's got nothing to do with the color. It's just the personalities of the people. Do you know what I'm getting at? Uh, I don't know because, okay, do you appreciate, let's take all your white friends, right? Hawaii, New Jersey, in the UK or whatever. So out of all of your white friends, how many of them do you think by being associated and friends with you, they got exposure to music and people that they would not ordinarily have gotten exposed to? Yeah, quite a lot. And that's it. That's the answer. That's why you get the acceptance, because you are able to bring these people together who normally would not be brought together. Right. For one common theme, which is the love of music. And I think there's something very special about soul music, because soul music is essentially about love, right? That's mostly what what they're singing about. Anthony Hamilton, Luther Vandross, Stevie Wonder. We're singing about love, right? Right. So... So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're spinning at the black club on the other side of MLK Boulevard. And let's say some of your white friends aren't necessarily comfortable being on that side of town. But it's like, I don't know. You sure Benny's spinning at this club? Yeah, yeah. He's at this club. So your friends come to the club. And while they're at the club enjoying you spin all this good music, what they don't realize is happening is... Man, you know, these guys are pretty cool over on this side of town. Let's come to this side of town more often. Got it. You're the guy that caused all that. Got it. That makes a like lot. Like, how many of my friends knew about 
53 by the sea before you showed up there. Right, I hear you. Okay, okay. Bro, it's, you, you got a gift, bro. I'm telling you. You got to see your gift as a gift. Thank you. That means a lot to me, man, because if it ends up becoming more than music, you know, one of my pastors said to me that my gift is connection that you have with people. And whether it's through the podcast, radio, or just meeting people in person, he said, that's that's your gift is connecting people and this connection that you have with people. So so you just reinforce that. So thank you, my friend. Or maybe you're saying I should be a pastor. I'll look into it, bro. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play one more song and then we're going to come back and close out and say goodbye. But this one is a little bit of a sad one because it's called I Lost a Lover. I Lost a Lover. And hopefully you didn't lose a lover during this Valentine's month. But this is by Wesley Bright. And it's kind of got that retro, old school, real old school feel. Enjoy this one. I lost, I lost, I lost a lover. We're back. We've got time for one more song. But I wanted to ask you one more question as well. Keith, are you still there? I am still here. All right. One more question for you. Reparations. What's your thought on reparations? Oh, man. Reparations is tough because it's been so long. I think the American government, actually quite a few governments, just simply have to acknowledge, hey, we, we built these great countries on the backs of free labor, and we need to, to compensate free labor nobody wants to work and not get paid now how do you actually pay 
I don't know. That's the argument. There's all kind of ways. I'm not sure individual payments are going to work because it's been so long. But you could do things like, uh, what if the government fully funded all the HBCUs and then you could attend an HBCU for free? Uh, Or you could do like different things in terms of taxes. There's all kinds of creative things you could do. You just have to be right. Business loans, low interest mortgages, help people get into first time homes. Absolutely. Okay. You gotta. You have to want to do those things. And I don't think the U.S. government is not quite to the point where we're willing to do those things. Do you think there will ever be a time when that will happen? Yeah, when we all make love and not war and have more babies and end racism, boom, it will happen. <laughs> all right, and that and that basically brings us back around to where we were at the beginning. You know, the the end, the end to racism. Listen to Anthony Hamilton and have sex. It's that simple, bro. I'm telling you, it is that simple. Wow, that's the answer. Have more sex. Love it, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's been an honor and a privilege. I'm going to have to get you on again because I know you're a finance guy as well. You're a techie guy. There's so much to talk to you about. I'm going to have to get you on again sometime. But I really appreciate you joining me. Please say hello to everybody in Hawaii, all my family and friends over there. You know who they are. Tell the bros I said hi. And I miss DJN over there for all of you guys. Boy, those were good times. Man, we absolutely miss you, Benny. Thanks for having me. Um, I will also have you on my show. Please give my regards to Feifei. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, me and you hooked up, man. I think we had lunch and you were all like mentally all over the place. You're like, man, I just don't know. And the one thing you said in this whole conversation was, Faye just is like the only woman that's ever made me feel like special and like allows me to be me. And I'm sitting there looking at you like, bro, I'm not really seeing what your problem is. I think you kind of, answered your own question so i was quite elated to see you and faith finally get together like i don't know what took you so long but everybody loves dj benny james to the listeners this is dj black digital and i am and dj benny is your favorite dj's favorite dj (laughs) i love it well listen i'm gonna put your links below as well so people can follow you and say hi to you as well but i'm gonna end it with this song like i said it's called mr sun cho lee and listen to the words carefully it's basically this hawaiian group making fun of the stereotype types of in hawaii and uh, how it all comes back at the end it's just it's just funny and like i said maybe quite possibly we need more of this and not less of this like keith was saying earlier on in the show you know people can joke about different stereotypes but at the end of the day when they come together the next day there's no hard feelings it is truly just a joke and uh, this is how we create more love and actually if you stop saying stuff if you stop talking about stuff then there becomes that taboo and people get scared and that's when the fear sets in so i think we just ended racism my friend you know what i think you need to have a dj benny james in racism hour and you play nothing but slow jams for hours. oh there you go there you go i love it all right all right brother thanks again aloha take care be blessed i'm gonna play this one and uh aloha Mr. Sancho Lee, Mr. Sancho Lee, got plenty lychee, lychee, got plenty lychee, but he no gives to me, and he's just a mean old pocket man. 
Mr. Conrad Jones, Mr. Conrad Jones, get plenty swimming pools. Oh, plenty swimming pools, plenty swimming pools, but he no gives to me. And he's just a mean old howling. Mr. Maximo Concepcion, Mr. Concepcion, got plenty. Fighting chicken, fighting chicken, got plenty. Fighting chicken, but he no gives to me. And he's just a mean old Bilafino man. Mr. Kazu Tanaka, Mr. Kazu Tanaka, get plenty. Put up plenty electronic equipment, camera supply, but he no gives to me. And he's just a mean old Kepani man. Miss Mommy Lomi Lomi, Miss Mommy Lomi Lomi, got plenty experience, experience, got plenty experience. She no experience me And she's just a mean old cocktail waitress Mr. Kamaka Viva Ole Mr. Kamaka Viva Ole Got plenty Not too much of nothing Nothing Got plenty Nothing he takes it out on me And he's just a mean old Hawaiian One thing I went notice about this place All our skies we tease It's amazing we can live in the same place.